It's a new way to lead off your Sunday with conversation, unique perspectives, and your thoughts and questions on the Hometown Nine. It's Twins Today. And a swing and a miss and a changeup. That was masterful pitching from Jose Barrios. I know they know I got a great curveball, so they're looking for That's when I was the unbreakable. Twins Today is driven by the Mauer Auto Group. More than cars. It's hard to believe that was 15 years ago. Right? Time flies, but uh, you know what? I'm in a new role, and I'm enjoying it. Thanks, Derek. Which thought am I? Did I make the top five? Now, live from Target Field, here is Derek Wetmore. Hello, good morning. Good to be with you. I'm Derek Wetmore from Target Field, where we are waiting for Twins and Royals. First pitch coming up later today. Right now, you're listening to Twins Today. This program's on the air from 10 to noon every Sunday. You can catch us every single week here on WCCO Radio. And right after this, you're going to hear the Adana Realty pregame lineup card heading into pregame and first pitch with the Twins. Uh, I'm really excited about today's show because of the number of guests that we have. Uh, it looked for a, a minute there like the Twins were correcting things, so it was going to be a lot more fun to talk about how everything was going well. Um, but it was, hit a bit of a snag yesterday, so we'll talk about all that. We'll we'll dive into it. Twins Today is driven by the Mauer Auto Group more than cars. And if you'd like to call in and talk a little Twins baseball, maybe later on in the show, about 11.30 or so, we'll start taking some calls. Line them up 651 989 9226 is where you can call or feel free to tweet me i am the crafter of tweets at twitter.com at Derek wetmore is where you'll find me there coming up on today's show Brittany giroli she covers major league baseball as a national writer for the athletic do young park who covers the twins for mlb.com we're going to talk with twins rookie catcher ben rortvet coming up here at 10 30 kind enough to give us some time in his opening weekend and the incomparable Dan Gladden joins the show later today. This is Twins Today. Let's have some fun with it. We'll start with five thoughts where we go one by one through five things that happened this week or will impact the Twins going forward. Number one. And the 3-0 is inside. He walked in ball four. Colomay wanted the call. 6-4 Cleveland as he walked in a run. Alex Colomay is broken right now. This goes for Colomay. This clubhouse is really good. You know, Nelson and guys like that, they'll talk to you and say, we know, you know, this is temporary. You, you know, you're really good, really good track record. We believe in you. Everybody has slumps, and uh, we'll work through it. Yeah, that's Taylor Rogers on his teammate, Alexander Colomay, who has not had a great start to the season for the Twins. Obviously, that goes without saying. It is not what the Twins were expecting when they signed him, certainly not what he expected. Uh, he's got a long track record as a good big league reliever and when I talked with you last week on Twins Today I said don't worry this is going to straighten itself out it'll be fine he's a good pitcher with a track record nothing to see here more or less and uh, Rocco Baldelli mentioned that he was going to start moving him into some lower leverage situations just to let himself get right pretty standard managerial track to take if your closer's struggling he's not your closer anymore somebody else is and you want to move somebody down into a little bit lighter load, some something that they can definitely handle, if nothing else, just to get the confidence back, get get that cutter working the way it has for years and gotten big league hitters out. And uh, then this week did not go so well either. You heard Corey Provis on the call there that Colome looks broken. He was in a bit of a mop-up role last night, a spot that uh, yesterday afternoon, excuse me, 
bit of a spot that you know, sometimes you'd see a position player pitching that uh, final inning, and Colome was in there for the Twins. He did escape it without giving up a run, so maybe that's the first start, first step in the right direction. Anyway, long way of getting to the the point that on Tuesday he came in in a one-run game and it just did not go well. Uh, Colome was charged with two earned runs, walked three batters. Um, that's what led to that call that you heard there. The Twins were trailing by a run at the time. They ended up losing to Cleveland 7-4. to four. A lot of people upset with the situation that he was put in immediately after Baldelli said he'd go lower leverage. I'm not upset with it at all. Uh, this is a controversial opinion, but the Twins had a very low percent chance of winning that game, and it didn't work out. Uh, they found an even lower leverage spot for Colome yesterday. The pitch is swinging a fly ball into left field deep, and Attendi going back. He's on the track at the wall. It is gone a home run. Kirilov number one. Opposite field, three-run shot, 4 nothing Twins in the third. Like I've said before, I just want to stick with my approach. Hopefully they even out over the course of a long season. If you just keep hitting balls hard, stick with a good approach, wherever that leaves me, I think I'll be happy with that. Alex Kirilov looks good to me. Thought number two is he's just been unlucky. He's stinging the ball, and yes, he's striking out a fair bit. He's not drawing a whole ton of walks, but he's a young power hitter with a sweet lefty swing. He's hit a number of balls on the screws and not been rewarded for him. So nice to see his two-homer night to uh, sort of break the seal on the home runs in the big leagues and then got another one yesterday. He's up to three, and uh, those won't be the last. Number three. I know today is the his first game in major league level, but he's been training this year. He catch me a couple games, and we know you share that. And tonight we have the meeting before the game. We had a good plan, and... I love his energy. He had great energy. Yeah, and I love him. That's Michael Pineda, Big Mike, talking about new rookie catcher Ben Rortvet, who made his major league debut on Friday catching Pineda. We'll talk with Rortvet coming up here before too much longer. He's going to jump on the phone and talk with us here on Twins Today about his debut, uh, originally from the Madison, Wisconsin area. So anyway, talk to him about his MLB debut, what all that meant, and uh, you heard Big Mike's uh, affection for him there. Just kind of interesting that it's not uh, some guy who, just because we haven't really seen him a whole lot, there are people with the Twins and on this roster who know Ben Rortbett quite well and you know are excited for him to come up over the weekend. Picked up his first RBI knock, too. Um, so looking forward to that conversation. You can catch that at 1030 right here on this show. Number four. Number four. There's a line drive center field. Buxton coming in. Still coming in. Dives, and he'll come up with it. We've seen enough of Byron Buxton. Not afraid to leave his feet. And the 1-1 pitch, a drive to left center field deep in the gap. Buxton tracking grass, track near the wall. He jumps up. He's got it. Buxton at the top of the wall. Byron, patience, poise, beauty. Love that call from Corey Provis on Byron Buxton. Running back to the wall in center field, left center field, about by the bullpens at target field, making a great catch, which, as he said after the game, he said, you know, deflate's not a great word for it, but you could really see their demeanor go down. And I, I just appreciated that. That is exactly what happens when you hit what should be a double, or in this case, uh, some people thought Ben Benintendi's shot might have left the, left the yard. And now you're start, starting to talk about, oh, possible comeback? Yeah, maybe we could get a couple runners on. 
start to chip away at this Twins lead, and nope. Byron Buxton goes out, turns it what should have been either runs or base runners into outs, and he does that so routinely. The gold glove defense has been on display for years. Um, there's not really much more that you can say about it at this point. I, 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 I was tempted to come in and thought number four I knew was going to be Buxton's defense, and I was going to say, well, you've seen that before, next, and just move on because there's really – how much more can we flesh it out? This is one of the best – defenders, run preventers in Major League Baseball right now and has been for years. It's kind of uh, interesting to see as the bat starts to come around for Byron Buxton, some of the more acclaim that he's getting for his defensive prowess. He's, I, He is a pitcher's best friend. He is a guy who turns doubles into outs. He brought back uh, what could have been a home run the other day. He also took a double away from Benintendi, I think, sprinting in and diving full extension take away extra base hits left and right uh the twins are fortunate to have somebody out there who is that capable in center field so we're gonna line drive down the left field line byron buxton needs a triple for the cycle byron rounds first he will go to second base and hold a double but a five hit day for number 25. he's got to be like the most electric baseball player in the league right now it's He's certainly the hottest. I mean, everything's going his way. He's swinging the bat really well. He's playing great defense. He's running the bases. He's, uh, you know, he's he's changing. He's changing the way that we play the other team. You know, he's extremely, extremely dynamic, super athletic. Everybody that watches him play is pretty amazed that he does some of the things that he does, and he does it every day. I think that's the voice of Mitch Garver talking about Byron Buxton, and he said it better than I could. He should be hosting this show, uh, although I couldn't do his job, so let's not switch seats, Mr. Garver. Um, there's just an element that Buxton brings to the park where, and I think I heard one of my other next guests, Dan Gladden, talk about there are some guys who get up to the plate and you don't want to be in the concession stand. You want to be in your seat or you want to be at a spot where at least you can see the field. Nelson Cruz, you're not going to take a bathroom break at Target Field when Nelson Cruz walks up to the plate with a bat in his hands. Byron Buxton is that on defense. So it's been uh, just just fascinating to watch. And now people are talking about it way more because his offensive output has been phenomenal, just spectacular this year. Um, He's missed a couple of games, but if he keeps up this offensive performance, uh, spoiler alert, he can't. They're just, it's not possible. But he is in the early American League MVP running, and that's not an exaggeration. Look at Mike Trout's numbers, and he's certainly going to be up there. Yeah, Byron Buxton acquits himself pretty well offensively. So power outburst, speed, defense, Byron Buxton is doing it all, and that's why he gets two thoughts on five thoughts Um, that's it for this segment five thoughts but we've got a super fun show coming up we've got dan gladden joining Brittany giroli do hyung park of mlb.com who covers the twins and uh, ben rortvet joins us later coming up next on the show though we'll do a radio visit with mlb.com and stat guru mike petriello you don't want to miss that Uh, Coming up next, right here on Twins Today, you're listening to News Talk 830-WCCO. Welcome back to Twins Today. I'm Derek Wetmore sitting here at Target Field. 
we've got a fun show lined up today. In fact, I'm watching one of my uh, upcoming guests. He's out on the field right now. He's supposed to be joining us at 10.30, but he is currently working on uh, catcher pop-up drills. That's Ben Rortvet, rookie catcher from the Madison, Wisconsin area. So uh, get your work in, Ben. We'll talk to you when we can get you. Um, but right now, we are doing a little radio revisit. We had a great segment with Chris Atterbury and Mike Petriello this week, who is the stats guru. Uh, he's done a lot of work with Baseball Savant and now writes for MLB.com, kind enough to join us this week, talking all things Minnesota Twins. I believe they start. They get into some of this catching stuff. I don't know if he talks about catcher pop-ups. We'll have to see. But here is the interview, or a portion of it anyways, with Mike Petriello of MLB.com. I want to start, Mike, with Tyler Duffy. Last year, Duffy phenomenal season his strikeout rate through the roof he's one of our favorite guys this year obviously he gives up a home run yesterday that happens uh but the walks are way up the velocity is a little bit down uh, and he just hasn't been the dominating strikeout guy that he was a year prior we know relievers fluctuate that's just what they do have you seen anything in pitch characteristics or usage that gives you an indication about what's changed the number I want you to think about here is the number seven. He's thrown seven innings, seven walks, and seven strikeouts. And I wanted to go back and find, because like you said, he'd been really good the last two years. How how many games had it taken him previously to get to seven walks? Well, he had seven walks in his previous 37 games and 58 strikeouts over that time. I think he's super underrated nationally for what he'd done the last two years. But as you mentioned this year, tons of walks, eight games pitched, only twice has he not had a walk. And the reason here, I think, is simple. No one's swinging, right? In his 2019 breakout season, he got 51% swing rate last year, 47, about the same. Well, this year it's down to 36%. That's one of the 10 lowest in baseball. And part of what is happening, I think he's got this breaking ball. You know, we call it a curve. Maybe it's a slider. It's really hard to tell. That's his primary pitch on the first pitch now. You know, he'd usually been like 60, 40 fastballs on the first pitch. Well, now that's kind of flipped. Now he's throwing curveballs on the first pitch and no one's going after them. So he's behind in the count a lot more than he used to be. No one's swinging. Here come the walks. And then you're kind of forced into a situation where you have to groove a pitch and it sort of ends poorly after that. And so the, it makes sense. The eye test of not throwing as many fastballs early and with the velo down, maybe hesitant to throw fastballs early. And again, if that's your go-to pitch, tough if you're always behind in the count. Yeah, absolutely. I think we've seen a lot of guys try to, you know, demote the fastball and go more breaking pitches, and uh, it just hasn't worked so far for him. All right. Well, Kent Maeda is a guy who last year was brilliant. He was wonderful in spring training. You were very bullish on him, talking about him as a legitimate ace going into the season. Pitch characteristics are there. Velo is there, but he is getting clobbered. I got some, some numbers. I think this year, the OPS for left-handed hitters against Maeda is one one five one. Last year it was five twenty five. What's going on? We're going to split this into bad news and good news. The bad news is going to start, it's going to match the eye test. I looked at every pitcher who had at least 50 innings last year and 10 this year. So that's over 200 guys. He has the second largest drop in strikeout rate, the second largest increase in hard hit rate, and the third largest drop in ground ball rate. Those things are all terribly bad and you've seen them. Here's the good news. As you kind of alluded to there, the pitch characteristics are good. Like when I see a guy having such a big step back like that, the first thing I do is, oh, is he hurt? Is the velocity down? Is the movement different? And, and not really. You know, fastball's down half a tick, slider not really changed, change up not changed. To me, this is entirely about command. And I don't even mean walks, only five walks in four games. It's not a big deal. But when he's at his best, he's like hitting the edges. 
he's hitting his spots. He's confusing guys and he's not doing that. He's really grooving everything. One of the ways I went to look at this was just uh, how many feet off the ground at the plate <laughs> will his pitches come in? So last year's slider, which he's using as a primary pitch, it came in an average of 1.8 feet off the ground. Well, this year it's 2.2 feet and it's getting slugged over 700% slugging percentage. I know he doesn't use his curve much. Last year, it was 1.8 feet off the ground. This year, it's three feet off the ground. Zero swings and misses on that. And it's like that across the board. That's why I'm saying it's good news. It doesn't seem like he's hurt. doesn't seem like he's not throwing as hard. I can't tell you why his command is off, but it feels to me like that's something a veteran pitcher could probably fix. Yeah, and he even mentioned it opening day in Milwaukee that he just didn't feel like mechanically his slider was right, and that would jive with kind of what you're telling us about that. Also, I think last year, change-up usage against lefties was something, and against righties was something people weren't expecting. And I think maybe now, having been in American League a year, maybe they are are a little more expecting of, of how he's going to mix his pitches. Well, I like that. We're going to look for uh, feet off the ground for that slider today for, for Kenta Maeda uh, against Cleveland. Uh, the catchers offensive black hole right now for the Minnesota Twins. Tons of strikeouts, whether it's Garver, whether it's Jeffers, waiting for two guys who have shown they could hit throughout their professional careers to find that. Also struggling to throw out runners. That's not all on them. They tend to wear it publicly, but that has a lot to do with the pitchers and what they're doing holding runners. You have promised me, you've teased me all day that you have got something that will make me smile about our catchers. Talk to I me. tried. Listen, we talked about Duffy not throwing strikes and Maeda getting lit up. I had to find something positive to end on. Let's talk about the pitch framing of the catchers. Last year, as a, as a tandem, as a team, they were the 10th worst in baseball in framing pitches. This year, 7th best. You know, Jeffers is slightly better than Garver, and Jeffers is about the same as he was last year, but Garver has shown improvement this year. The way I like to look at it is you look at pitches on the edges of the zone, obviously not swings, just takes, and Garver is up from about 45% last year to 49%. So that's a, about a little below average to a little bit below uh, above average. And it's interesting too, when you look at it by pitcher, like I've been really impressed with Michael Pineda so far this year. Well, last year, when he threw those pitches on the edges that didn't get swings, 33% of them were called strikes this year, 63%. That's huge for him. And what I found really interesting, Maeda is the one guy who's worse, right? 56% called strikes on the edges last year, 47% this year. And I tend to think that's not about the catchers. We just mentioned that he's not hitting his spots. He's not throwing the ball where you'd expect. I think he might actually be also making it harder for the catchers to frame the pitches on him. But overall, those two guys, I know they've had hitting struggles, framing pitches. They've done really well this year. Yeah, they have been an interesting tandem. Of course, that tandem's broken up now. That was the voice of Mike Petriello, who covers Major League Baseball for MLB.com and really kind of focuses on the stat cast angle of things. You could kind of tell by the way he, he views the game and talks about the game. Um, he views it through a numbers lens, a numbers prism. Um, I'm actually, as we speak, watching the other portion of the Twins catching tandem right now. Ben Rortvet is catching pop-ups off the, uh, they call that a jugs machine? in uh, at target field just kind of working on those high fly balls against this gray sky here that reminds you well you're outside so it's a little bit better than this but it reminds you a little bit of the metrodome in terms of the color of the sky today so he's getting his work in pregame um i know that clip mentioned jeffers but that's because uh the, that interview was taped earlier with mike petriello and chris atterbury um, Mitch Garver's improvement is fascinating, though, because uh, the bat in 2019 he was legitimately one of the best right-handed hitters in the game. And uh, to improve your catching skills on top of that, well, 
course, he's got to get the bat to come back around the way that we saw two years ago. But if he can do that, got a good player there in Mitch Garver. And Ben Rortvet, the thing that I want to say, other than uh, we're looking forward to chatting with him in uh, 15 minutes or so coming up on the show, is that he is renowned for his defense. The Twins organization is really high on this guy as a defensive catcher. Not the biggest guy in the world, but certainly muscular, and they really like him behind the plate. Um, that's that's a big part of what he brings to the Twins and why he got the call up here to sort of tag team with Mitch Garver behind the plate. So looking forward to that conversation. I hope you'll stay tuned, stick with us for that. We're going to take a break here on Twins Today, get to several other fascinating guests that we have coming up later on the show. Dan Gladden joins us. Also, Britt Giroli, who covers Major League Baseball for The Athletic, will join us around the top of the hour. Do Hyung Park, who covers the Twins for MLB.com, coming up a little bit after that. And if you want to get your calls in today, the number you can call is 651-989-9226. When uh, Do Hyung Park comes on later today and joins me, you can certainly give us a call. We'll take those calls around 1130 or so. 651-989-9226. Sit tight. We've got some fun interviews coming up with you for the rest of the day. This is Twins Today. I'm Derek Wetmore. More baseball after this on News Talk 830-WCCO. All right, Dan Gladden and Pena winds up. Here's the first pitch. Fastball swung on a fly ball hit into left center field. That one's going to fall in for a base hit. And it is going to be a two-base hit for Dan Gladden. Inside fastball to Dan Gladden. Hit a fly ball to left center between Hunter and Gant. It fell in there. Bounced past Hunter. Gant had to field it. And Gladden ends up with a double. Well, you probably remember where you were for that one. Welcome back to Twins Today. I'm Derek Wetmore, and we're joined by a very special guest and uh, Twins World Series hero, Dan Gladden. Thanks for jumping on the show. Uh, good to be here, Derek. I'm down here uh, at the ballpark. I'm watching uh, uh, one of our catchers, a uh, young kid, uh, working on some pop-ups. His debut, he missed a pop-up the other night. And uh, watching him right now kind of work on some pop-ups. So a little bit different, he said. Uh, Rortvet uh, was on his debut, missed a pop-up like about the third batter. This guy's not as high over at the alternate side, I guess. Well, he had mentioned that the, the double-deck stadiums, too. <laughs> okay, so. sure. <laughs> I heard you on the broadcast say uh, he got his first big league raspberry, so that's one to get out of the way. Mm-hmm. That's one to get out of the way. Uh, do you? It's the 30-year anniversary of the 1991 World Series team, of course, and the Twins are going to be celebrating it this year. Can you still take yourself into that moment and sort of uh, rekindle that feeling that you had hitting that leadoff double in the 10th inning there? Uh, you know, occasionally with my partner, Corey, we kind of, you know, rehash some of the stuff. But I think more when you run into certain fans that, uh, you know, remember it and could tell you that they were at the game or where they were at uh, during those uh, those World Series. So especially 91. So, you know, it's embedded in the fans as well. And it's nice to to listen to their stories and uh, hear what they have to say and what they remember about it. Yeah, that's special. Hey, so we're celebrating that 30-year anniversary this summer. What can you tell us about any of the things that are planned? I mean, maybe there's some stuff that's still top secret. I don't even know. But what can you share with us about some of well, the celebrations? It's all, all going to be top secret, of course. <laughs> okay. But uh, I think that, you know, uh, I think Saturday on the field, uh, hopefully with uh, with COVID kind of being a little bit farther in the rearview mirror, that yeah be a celebration on the field there and 
uh, you know, having to be able to see all the guys that uh, you haven't seen for maybe a number of years but have always kept in contact with them. I think Friday night there's going to be a little bit of a celebration as well. Um, so I think that the, the weekend with the guys coming in, be a Friday, Saturday, and then uh, Sunday's probably going to be a getaway day. Sure. And, uh, you know, you mentioned you keep in touch with all these guys. I know Twins fans are excited to see them too. Are, you have a, I don't know, guest list started here of who we can expect to see this summer? Well, I think that, uh, you know, some of the guys I'm, I'm working on to get out here happen to be guys that are, are still coaching. Uh, Chili Davis, the hitting coach with the Mets. Uh, Paul Sorrento, uh, hitting coach with the Angels. And with Paulie, they'd have to take that, uh, that Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. But the good thing is the Angels open up in Detroit uh, that following Monday. So it's an easy trip uh, for Paul Sorrento to be able to make that. And then also um, uh, Chili Davis, a little bit tougher as to where they would go and open up uh, afterwards on the Mets. And then Carl Willis is the pitching coach of the Cleveland Indians. And uh, they open up here on Monday after the celebration. So we can come here, enjoy it, and just wait for the team to come to town. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's the way to do it. Send him, send him here early. That's uh, mid-August. I think August 13th, 14th, and, and 15th is that getaway day. But the Twins will be celebrating that. I mean, obviously, very, very memorable World Series winning team. And Dan Gladden's our guest, of course, a man who needs no introduction around these parts. Uh, another guy who fits that category is Dave Lee, who announced his retirement and we celebrated Dave Lee this past week. Friday was his past fat final day, I suppose, as the uh, morning radio host. But glad you got to talk with him at the Twins game. You and Corey in the booth as a sort of goodbye tour uh, went to Target Field. Matt, what's it like to sort of reminisce and then say goodbye to a legend who's retiring in the radio world? Well, uh, again, I think that, uh, you know, he remembers uh, the celebration here in 87 and 91. And, you know, they're a big part of it. Anybody that was in the, the radio business at that time, that was uh, – we didn't have the social media that you have today and Twitter and Facebook to where you could, you know, flood the market with all kinds of, you know, stories and stuff. So you relied on guys like Dave Lee. And, of course, he's a big, big sports fan. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that, uh, you know, there, there comes a time, uh, just like a player, when they take the uniform off your back, that, okay, what am I going to do next? And – um, I think with Dave Lee, I think also that, uh, you know, he spent a number of years uh, doing the radio, the morning show. I was surprised when he mentioned he had to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning <laughs> to, to come in and start doing the radio show. So uh, that was uh, – uh, and then Dave St. Peter, of course, teased me and said, that, hey, there's a job opening. And I said, 3 in the morning? I don't think so. So <laughs> – you're not handing in your resume for that one, huh? No. Okay. Well, uh, sure appreciate you taking the time here to uh, join us on Twins today, and uh, have a great broadcast today. You we got it. Thank you. That's the voice of uh, Twins legend Dan Gladden. We heard his clip there from the double in the uh, 1991 World Series, and who could ever forget? Uh, so really great catching up with him. Uh, we wish uh, Dave Lee, too, all the best in retirement. I am glad that I got a chance to bring that name up during this show because – an absolute icon in uh, broadcasting, Minnesota broadcasting history, has retired and walking away from the game. Uh, we have some more fun guests coming up on this show, and I cannot wait to talk to our next guest. Ben Rortvet is the rookie catcher 
for the Twins. He's going to join us on the phone when we come back on Twins Today here on News Talk 830-WCCL. Two pitches, punched in the air, back of third, sinking, and fair ball! Base hit, RBI, Simmons scores, Ben Rortbeth. Bloop single, RBI hit. Welcome back, Twins Today. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore. We're joined by a very special guest, kind enough to give us some of his time in his uh, first week in the big leagues. Ben Rortvet joins the show. Ben, how's it going? I'm awesome. How are you guys doing? Great, great. Thank you for asking. And, uh, man, we just played the clip of your first uh, big league RBI coming in here. What was that moment like for you? Uh, it was awesome. It's uh, it's a big weight off your shoulders to get that one out of the way. And uh, I'm just glad it was my first game and I could do it with uh, some of my friends and family in the stands to see it as well. So it was it was pretty special. Super cool, yeah. You didn't have to spend uh, like all weekend thinking about or anything like that. I'm sure that's a nice uh, burden lifted. But you mentioned fans and 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 um, friends and family, excuse me, in the stands here at Target Field. Uh, I he- I've heard a couple of different things. So I'm hoping you can set the record straight for us from the Madison, Wisconsin area originally. But I've heard Verona. I've heard New Glarus. Can you can you set the record straight on where <laughs> Ben Rortvet grew up? <laughs> um. I was born in Madison. I went to school in Verona. Uh, my dad lived in Verona, in Verona, and then my mom lives in New Glarus. And then New Glarus um, is known with the spotted cow around here, so sure. uh, I think that'll ring some bells. But I tell Madison to a bunch of people who don't really know the Wisconsin area because everyone knows Madison's right next door to Verona, so... Yeah, well, and I'm sure we've got some listeners from the area too who are who are wishing you well. I'm familiar with uh, New Glarus myself, and uh, not just for Spotted Cow. Got some family in the area, so uh, I wanted to get that one straight. It sounds like it wouldn't be it wouldn't be lying to call either one home. We can we can use them either way. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, for sure. I I probably would have preferred to go from Verona. Okay, that's where I'm uh, went to school. So. Good deal. Well, Verona's, uh, the pride of Verona, Ben Rortvet, is joining us on the uh, show right now, Twins Today. And, uh, man, I saw I got to take in your Major League debut, and I'm sure that was just a, a, a series of cool moment after cool moment after cool moment. I wanted to circle one. Sal Perez giving you a salute, the, uh, the opposing catcher. Um, can you explain that moment for listeners, what that was like in your first day in the big leagues, basically? Oh, that was so cool. I mean, he's bigger than life. Um absolutely huge human too uh in person but grew up watching him play obviously he has all the gold gloves and hardware to back it up and uh just him to congratulate me and give me props uh was a was a pretty special moment so uh all of everybody on the rose was pretty kind and uh tapping me and saying congrats so it was uh it was pretty special yeah and i mean i'm know that he's a guy you probably follow just because he by virtue of being in the big leagues and then being in those world series but what did what did he say to you i mean here's this guy you mentioned larger than life uh literally but uh what what's that exchange like i'm sure it's got to be quick because you guys both have a job to do yeah he just came up and said congratulations uh really have fun with it just be yourself and uh and then we went from there and it was it was short but it was uh it's pretty meaningful and it was it was pretty cool that is really really fun to hear we love those stories and um you caught big mike michael pineda who you have a little bit of a history with uh, some people twins fans m- might have thought hey this is kids big league debut but you actually have a little bit of a history can you explain how you knew pineda so well before you caught him on your debut 
Uh, I've caught Pineda a couple times, so I'm pretty glad I got to catch Pineda. Uh, he's always been really nice to me, a uh, veteran presence. Um, so he knows exactly what he's doing. Um, so he, I told him, I said, it's, it's his game. I'm going to throw down whatever uh, I feel is right, but whatever whatever he says goes. And, uh, no, he, he he led the way. He led the path. I caught him a couple times in spring training. I caught, caught him a couple times on backfield, so I had a little feel for his stuff, and he's really good. He throws the mitt. Oh, uh, it was a lot of fun. That's great. And uh, you were on the taxi squad, too. So it was like, you know, maybe this move wasn't imminent necessarily, but you were around the club. You you know, you kind of just that next half step up. Uh, what was the moment like for you, Ben? Uh, not to keep you on on moments, but I feel like these are just all so special and things that you'll remember for a long time. Kind of kind of want to let listeners in on some of that stuff, too. Where were you when you got the call or maybe it was uh, an in-person meeting? Um, so yeah, I was in Cleveland for the taxi squad, which was actually, I, I, I thought it was very beneficial to go on the road and see how, uh, road series go and see how all the team handles themselves in the clubhouse and be around those guys. I got to catch some of the guys in the bullpen and see how, how the game was going. Uh, I got back the off day that the big league team had and I went to CHS and, uh, worked out with the alternate site, played a sim game. Um, and after the sim game, um, Toby called me into the office. Uh, I walked in, and it was all the coaches on staff and then uh, Jeremy Zoll all sitting down. And I walked in, and it was all quiet, just having some smirks on their face and just looking at me, and I sat down. No one really said much. Uh, Jay-Z told a joke, and uh, I kind of just said, uh, what's going on? You guys are being quiet. And then they pretty much told me, and there was, it, was, uh, it, was, it was a pretty special moment. It was, it was awesome. So Saints manager Toby Gardenhire and a group full of coaches, they were like, they gave you the silent treatment, basically? They made you sweat it out? <laughs> Just my personality, knowing how I am, they, they kind of wanted to mess with me because uh, I keep it really loose, so I walked in, and uh, they kind of were just trying to – uh, put me on edge or something. So it was, it was pretty funny. <laughs> oh, that's great. I would, we got Toby on the show, uh, earlier this month. If he comes back, I, I want to ask him about turning the screws. on. <laughs> I mean, here, this is a big moment. This is what you've worked your whole professional life for. Absolutely. And, and <laughs> he's going to pull a yeah. prank on you. That's pretty oh, yeah. good. No, it's, it's just kind of how I am. So they kind of got to get, get it back to me as well. And it's, it's, it's just how I want it to be, honestly. Nice. It's, it's, I, lo- keep I, it fun. I love to hear that. We'll try to keep it loose with you going forward, too. And, uh, hey, on that note, I was watching you here. I'm up at in the radio booth at Target Field as the Twins get ready to host the Royals here on Sunday. First pitch you can catch a little after 1 o'clock. Don't miss the Adina Realty pregame lineup card before that. This show runs 10 to noon. You're listening to uh, Twins Today. And, and, Ben, I saw you catching big league pop-ups. I had the jugs machine out there throwing them just straight up into the air with backspin um can you share it i don't know if there's trade secrets here or what but you know we've got some young catchers listening to the show for sure and wondering about technique what were you working on today with the coaches just to kind of get those pop-ups and make sure they don't spin away from you (laughs) it's pretty funny uh i'm very glad that a pitcher cannot throw a catcher pop-up because i would not do very well at the plate um (laughs) But the main thing is just keeping the ball in front of you, uh, keeping slow feet, and uh, just repetition. I, I don't think I've caught catcher pop-ups in probably over a year. Sure. And I said, I said to a couple of people before the game, I said, I could be thrown in any scenario there is. And, but if I have a catcher pop-up, I would feel kind of uneasy about it. Okay. And I'm honestly kind of glad that it happened because 
I think that was my biggest fear was kind of botching a catcher pop-up just because I wasn't really prepared. Um, I want to say a week ago I asked at the old site to get some pop-ups, and I, and I knew that's something I needed to work on. And after the flop happened, um, I don't think I – I don't think I felt looser in the moment. Uh, my biggest fear happened, and they were just all, all, uh, all good from there. So no, I was just working on getting back in the pace and uh, keeping the ball in front of you, keeping it in front of your nose, because the ball is always going to spin back to home plate. If you think you're under the ball, then you're not in the right position. So. Great advice for young catchers out there. Keep it in front of you, and uh, you almost have to overcorrect. That's a that's a really funny story, Ben. I heard some props from inside the dugout just kind of through the grapevine about how impressed people were that you were just like, all right, that happened. Let's go. You know, instead of, instead of dwelling on it, nothing like that. It wasn't negative for you. It was, okay, let's compete. What's next? Yeah, for sure. I joked around with Pineda and said, okay, Pineda, I just wanted to get you more strikeouts. <laughs> <laughs> you helped his line. Later. Yeah, we got to strike out later than that bat, so it all worked out. So that's, it was just funny. Man, that is uh, that's hysterical. Okay. Ben, uh, can't thank you enough for the time. Congratulations on your debut and uh, continued success to you. All right, thank you so much, guys. That's the voice of Twins rookie catcher Ben Rortvet, the pride of Verona, Wisconsin. Uh, you heard it straight from the horse's mouth. Um, we'll come back, and we got a little bit more Twins baseball. Um, there's a special uh, special human i guess I don't, I don't know really how else to describe him taking bp on the field right now we'll talk about that and uh maybe his pending return to the lineup we'll uh get some great guests on the other side of the hour too Brittany giroli who covers mlb for the athletic is joining us at 11:05. stay tuned for more twins baseball coming up right after this on news talk 830 wcco welcome back to twins today driven by the mauer auto group more than cars. Once again, live from Target Field, here is Derek Wetmore. Welcome back to Twins Today. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore. We're hanging out here in the radio booth at Target Field, and uh, we've got some fun guests coming up on the other side of this. If you're just joining us, thank you. Welcome. We are going to talk with national MLB writer Britt Giroli uh, coming up in about 10 minutes or so. You can catch that. Um, later on, I'm also talking with MLB.com Twins beat writer Do Hyung Park is going to be uh, sitting in this chair right next to me. And uh, if you want to get in on that conversation, you can call us, 651-989-9226. We'll take calls around, let's say, 1130. We'll open up that phone line. So bookmark the number, 651-989-9226. Um, I just want to point out here, we just had uh, Ben Rortvet, the rookie catcher from Verona, Wisconsin, uh, as my previous guest, and the dude doesn't stop working. I, I, I'm sitting here at Target Field, and before the interview, you know, I'm counting down the minutes. So we're going to talk with Ben on the phone, and he's catching big league pop-ups behind home plate. They're just putting them on in the in the jugs machine, just spinning them backwards and letting them fly everywhere. And he's out there navigating behind the plate and working on catching those, keeping the ball in front of you for you young catchers out there. If you think you're under it, Ben said, you're not. So keep keep the baseball in front of you. He was working on that before the interview. He sits down, chats with us on the phone, talking about his big league debut and working with Big Mike and the salute that he got from a fellow catcher and now a fraternity member uh, Sal Perez, a fraternity that Ben now belongs to, major league catchers. How many guys can say that uh, on the planet? So he's, he's working on those pop-ups, comes in, and he tells us about this special weekend in his life with friends and family in town. 
I said goodbye to Ben. He said thanks, and he walked right out onto the field, and I saw him with a bat in his hand getting ready for some BP. So that's uh, that's just a little glimpse into what that guy's got going on at Target Field. Another guy taking BP right now that I would like to uh, mention to listeners, Miguel Sano. He's on the injured list right now with a, with a hurt hamstring, basically, and uh, him taking BP on the field is a good sign, of course. I think that means uh, his return is getting closer. He must be feeling good because he just hit a laser beam out to center field that went all the way up the top of the living wall out there in the batter's eye. And Rocco Baldelli was asked about, you know, when's Sano going to come back? Is he going to need minor league games? Keep in mind, the minor league season opens for a lot of people on Tuesday. I believe the St. Paul Saints open in Omaha, if I have that correctly off the top of my head. And that would be uh, one possible timeline. You know, do you send him to Omaha and let Miguel Sano get some minor league ABs before returning to the major league lineup? Um, it's Baldelli stopped short of saying that is for sure going to happen. He he basically said that it's an option, but it's dangerous to try to read between the lines. I'm never going to try to do that. But that uh, he basically said it's an option, but he didn't sound like it was their first option so who knows what that means for in terms of timeline but i can tell you in terms of uh, facing a bp pitcher who is uh, not a major leaguer trying to strike him out uh, sano looks ready that, that'd be fair to say and he's on the uh, velocity machine right now so um, probably just fine-tuning some of those things keep in mind Andrelton Simmons did not go get a minor league rehab. Uh, even Max Kepler, Kyle Garlick, guys who were activated from the COVID IL, uh, did not have the luxury or the benefit of some of those minor league games. Everybody's different. Everybody reacts differently. I guess I've always kind of thought of Sano as a guy who, who kind of needs to finally tune it in. You see that big strikeout rate, and he's got immense power. Nobody's doubting that. He's also got really good big swing and miss in his game so that's gonna be I don't know I'm just fascinated to see as he tries to work his way back without the benefit potentially of a minor league rehab assignment so for what it's worth he's taking BP at target field right now and look for him back before too too much longer for the twins this is gonna wrap up hour one of twins today but I keep telling you anybody who will listen we've got an exciting hour Ahead, The 11 o'clock hour here on Twins Today starts off with Britt Giroli, who's a friend of mine but also covers Major League Baseball as a national writer for The Athletic. And uh, we'll join her just on the other side of breaks here. We're also going to sit down with Twins beat writer Do Hyung Park. He covers the Twins for MLB.com, has for a number of years, and I'm really looking forward to getting him in the booth and picking his brain about this kind of slow start, sort of just a bad month of April, and May didn't get off to the right start either for the Twins. But a lot of talent in this group, so I can't wait to talk to him about that. That is coming up in the 11 o'clock hour of Twins today, right here on News Talk 830-WCCO. Welcome back to Twins Today, driven by the Maurer Auto Group, more than cars. Once again, live from Target Field, here is Derek Wetmore. Welcome back to Twins Today. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, and I'll waste no time with this introduction. We've got a fun 11 o'clock hour coming up on, a, on Twins Today, leading up to the Adina Realty pregame lineup card. But uh, join now on the phone, actually the Zoom room, if you want to know the technical details, is my friend and national MLB writer for The Athletic, Britt Giroli. Britt, thanks for coming on the show. 
Thanks for having me, Derek. Great to uh, great to be on the show. Big fan of all the work. Thank you. That's very nice of you to say, and obviously the uh, compliments are uh, reciprocated. I have been I've just been having so much fun following your career, and now uh, senior writer for the Athletic, also doing some TV work with MLB Network and uh, SNY, I believe. And one of my favorite baseball podcasts, Rates and Barrels, has now made you a regular guest. So that's been super fun to see too. Yeah, they're, uh, you know, Saris and Derek Van Riper are just, I know, I know friends of the show as well, and just so smart, uh, the way that they look at the game, the statistics, I learned so much just going on that show, I feel like I'm there for just color commentary and occasional jokes, uh, <laughs> I, I watch games now a little bit differently because of guys like, you know, Saris, so I'll go and check fan graphs and look at the spin rate and things that, as you know, Derek, um, not really my forte, not my wheelhouse. And and those who are not familiar, Derek actually interned under me in Baltimore. And what year was that? Uh, 2013. Um, yes, yes, right before they got good. So, um, <laughs> you know, you draw your own conclusions. Was was Derek really the reason? Did they have to restructure? Right. I don't know. Well, Brett, if it makes you feel better, I came back and the Twins had losing seasons in uh, 14. 15 and 16 so uh, again draw your own conclusions from that I think but uh, Britt super fun and like you were covering the Orioles then for .com and then you moved over and covered the Washington Nationals as well their World Series team so uh, you kind of lean in the opposite direction you make teams get good I guess um, what now from a national perspective though you sort of have to cover the 30 teams a little bit differently um one month into the major league season what story has uh, surprised you maybe what's the best story in baseball right now there i was just thinking that this morning there's been so many i don't know if i we just missed baseball so much but there's been so many exciting things i think certainly if you're going to go by team wise the milwaukee brewers i stayed up way too late last night watching them win their third straight game over the dodgers <laughs> Um, I think watching them has been really fun. Obviously, the Padres Dodgers have just been that storyline in general has been really good for baseball. I know Twins fans don't want to hear it, but the Kansas City Royals coming out of nowhere, yeah. kind of looking like the Royals of, you know, 2014, 2015 has been really exciting. And then some of the individual performances. I think some of the guys who have come out of nowhere, you know, the Akil Badus, the Yerman Mercedes, um, certainly here in Minnesota, uh, Buxton has been a guy who's really kind of come into his own. I think it's just been exciting to watch Ronald Acuna, Fernando Tatis, some of these younger players as well. So uh, a long-winded way to say there's too many storylines. I think we spend so much time sometimes, and myself included, thinking how do we make the game better? Should we move the mound back? Should we, you know, tinker with extra innings a little bit more? That we forget to enjoy the game and there's been a lot of really enjoyable moments i think early on here yeah you're you're dead right about that that the the game is in good hands with some of the young talent and brett i'll do a little bit of a, a flashback here for you that you might appreciate and like four of our listeners might but one thing that i learned in that summer working with you and uh, buck showalter actually is the one who gets credit for this is every day when you show up and you all have a job to do and uh now that job for me is a radio show here and it's easy to get into the the day-to-day -day of like, well, this guy screwed up or this and that, and this was the story of the game. He didn't do his job. Buck said, just remember, everybody out there is really good. They're all exceptional baseball players, and if you remember that as sort of a backdrop for everything else that you say, then you're going to be in a better spot. Yeah, I agree, and I think, if you know, 
I tweeted this morning, this game's so fun. And of course I got like, well, you must not be a Yankees fan or, well, you must not be a Tigers fan. And I, I mean, I get that on one hand and on the other, I think you can look at every team and say, there's something exciting to watch for every night. And you're right. It is very Buck Walter, but you do sit back and you see something you've never seen before. Uh, You know, we've seen a lot of fights early on. We've seen a lot of uh, heated moments. We've seen Miguel Cabrera um, die for balls in the snow. We've seen things that, um, I think that nobody really expected, and that's the fun part. Uh, whether they tinker with the ball or tinker with the mound or tinker with whatever, uh, this is still a really fun, entertaining game. And, you know, proved it last night when it was, you know, basically midnight here on the East Coast. And um, I was like, I think the Brewers, you know, the Dodgers are out of pitchers. I think they're going to come back. And uh, sure enough, they did. It's been, it's been really cool to see some of these teams that have gotten out to a good start now whether they can hold it or not is going to be a whole separate ball game. Yeah, that's right. Well, and we're getting set here. I'm at target field currently getting ready for game three of twins and Royals. Uh, just kind of starting some pregame BP and guys throwing on the field. Uh, Britt, you mentioned a name here that I want to circle back on. Cause it's uh, I think twins fans ears perked up when uh, here, a, a national writer mentioned Byron Buxton, but of course, you know, the month that he's had is Troutian and, um, I'm just kind of fascinated to follow him so closely. But as you sort of look at it, uh, I don't know if you have a vote or any of that stuff, so call me off if you can't talk about it. But in terms of Buxton in the early MVP race, you know, May is officially a time we radio guys can start speculating about uh, MVPs in the American <laughs> League. Uh, do you think Buxton is legitimately on that kind of a track, keeps that kind of company right now? I think he's that kind of talent, certainly people kind of forget Derek, what a big deal this guy was when he came up, when he was drafted, he had trout to borrow your phrase, Troutian expectations. He really did much bigger. Uh, If you remember, people weren't sure Mike Trout was going to be this guy because he was from New Jersey. And there's certainly that, that bias uh, among baseball. If you get to play, if you come up in a place where you can't play year round. So Somebody tweeted the other day Buxton's stance in 2016 side by side with his stance now, and he doesn't even look like the same player. Um, I think what he's been able to do in terms of changing that swing and getting back to what he did in Georgia, what made him successful, what made him this touted talent, um, I think has really been key because he hasn't changed his approach, right? He's still a guy uh, who's going to be aggressive. He's still a guy who is going to swing through a high amount of pitches. Uh, But I think what he's been done with that stance, he looks more comfortable at the plate. He looks like a totally different player. And I think for him, being healthy is the reason we all forgot about him. For a long time, it was like, remember that guy? He, you know, and it was almost like Joe Joe Maurer-esque, right? Where he had these huge expectations around him. And then he just kind of faded from the national limelight because he was never on the field. So to me, if we get to Memorial Day and we're still talking about, uh, you know, the slash lines of Buxton and Trout and we're still mentioning them in the same breath, then this does gain a little more ground. I look at Memorial Day because I had a GM a long time ago tell me that's the quarter pull mark. That's when front offices say, are we real? Are we not real? So we're still a couple of weeks away from figuring out, is this a hot month for Buxton or is this who he is? But based on everything we heard about this guy, we've been waiting for years for this. If he yeah. could just stay on the field, I don't think this is a case where Yerman Mercedes, he's going to come back down to earth. Akil Badu. Um, this is a guy who everybody in baseball thought was going to be a superstar. And the only thing holding him back was just simply not being on the field. So why not? Why not have him be MVP? 
Uh, I spoke about this on Rates and Barrels, but I think people get a little trout fatigued. It happened to Willie Mays. They're like, well, he can't win every year, can he? So <laughs> Willie Mays missed out on a lot of MVPs for that reason. Yeah. And I think if Buxton has a season that's close to Trout, he may edge him simply because of Trout fatigue. Uh, <laughs> I think that's a real thing for voters. Yeah, we were talking earlier about remember these guys are good, and it's not hard to remember when you watch Mike Trout play baseball that, uh, yeah, he's in fact good. Um, that checks out, though, your Labor Day, uh, I uh, Memorial Day, excuse me, that I celebrate Check the Standings Day. I don't know if I've shared this one with you, Britt, but that is officially June 1st in Major League Baseball. Check the Standings Day is when it's okay to start looking about it uh, and talking about them as it pertains to where your club is at. And Speaking of that, actually, I want to let you leave on this one. Uh, Britt Giroli is our guest, uh, national MLB writer for The Athletic, does TV work with MLB and SNY. She's everywhere. Uh, Follow her on Twitter to catch the blow up, uh, but you might have missed that bus. Um, Britt, you covered the Nationals. They are famously started off very, very poorly, and people wrote them off as uh, dead in the water. Come back, win the World Series. I'm not saying it's that dire of a situation for the Twins, and I'm not saying the pendulum is going to swing that far in the other direction. But can you share with uh, with me and with the listeners, Twins fans, was there something that changed about that team? I know we want to go find a narrative, and like this day they had a closed-door meeting, X, Y, Z, whatever, but more of a general trend, Britt, was there something that went from this team is like looking and playing like a last-place team to, oh, yeah, this team has a shot to win the World Series. Anything jump out to you about that season? Yeah, a few things, actually. Um, one, they started 19 and 31. So it was, as you said, dire. Uh, I remember being in Milwaukee, and they had claimed Gerardo Parra off of waivers, and I made a joke to my editor, like, print the playoff tickets. <laughs> well, obviously, I know nothing. Um, and you really could have printed the playoff tickets because they get this guy in here, he walks into the clubhouse and he's like, why is everyone so upset with Max Scherzer? We have Steven Strasburg. Like we're a good team. And I'm not saying they just needed a cheerleader, but in to some extent they did, they needed somebody to say like, okay, let's just win a few games and turn this around. And having the Strasburg and Scherzer and Patrick Corbin and having that kind of rotation means they were a team built to go on a sustained winning stretch. And that's exactly what happened. Now I picked the twins to be, the AL Central winners. I wasn't buying as much of the White Sox hype as a lot of people were. I still believe that they can. I think the key is that rotation. The key is knowing that you can't just win here and there. You got to put together these eight, nine, 10, you know, out of 12 game winning streaks. Uh, You have to be able to do that. And the only way you do that is you do that through pitching. You don't do that with a lineup. You do that because your starters go out and they pitch really well and your bullpen is rested and able to be used the way Rocco Baldelli would like to use them, right? So I think when you look at what the Nationals did, yes, they got Anthony Rendon back and Trey Turner, and that was a huge part uh, of the left side of their infield. But what they did better than anybody and how they won the World Series that year was they rode their starters. They just rode their starters as deep as they could. And I think that's when the Dodgers get healthy, what makes the Dodgers so dangerous is the Dodgers ride their starters so deep into these games that their bullpen is constantly firing on all cylinders. And certainly last night they used nine pitchers. Dustin May left early with an injury. You can see what that does to a team. But I think if you're the twins and you're looking at how do we get out of this funk, how do we get to the top? Uh, You know, Buxton's playing so well, certainly he's a leader in more aspects than just in, in the numbers category, but I think it has to be the pitching. 
It has to be the starter saying we're going six, seven innings a night, no matter what. And that translates into the clubhouse that translates into every facet of the game. And that's what I saw the nationals do. And that's how they were able to dig out of this just absolutely ridiculous hole at 19 and 31. And the other parallel that I'm going to make right here real quick yeah. is that nobody wanted to win the, the NL East. It seemed like sure. uh, that year, they came real close to getting to, to the Braves. And I think the AL central is like that. I think the Royals have proved that, you know, there could be a level of mediocrity there. And if so, why can't the twins go on a hot stretch and get right to the top of that division? I think if you look at it from that perspective, there is no behemoth of the central. So why not the twins? Yeah, it's a great point. So the, the three part formula claim Gerardo Parra, believe that you're good and then ride some <laughs> uh, a starting pitching and you'll get right out of it. That is exactly right. And be prepared to hear baby shark from now until the end of time. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Uh, Britt, thank you so much uh, for joining the show. You can follow Britt's work at, on Twitter, of course, uh, at Britt underscore Giroli, or go find her on The Athletic and subscribe there and read all of her great work. Uh, Britt, can't thank you enough for the time. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Derek. Talk soon. That was Britt Giroli, who covers, of uh, course, Major League Baseball now from a senior level. Go subscribe to her work. She does uh, great and important pieces uh, from a national perspective and uh, just obviously a huge baseball fan. So really fun catching up with Britt. Uh, we're overdue for a break, so we got to get out of here. When we come back, we are talking uh, to a very special person who's worked with the Twins about some of their behind-the-scenes effort, some of the initiatives uh, that they do when they're not competing at Major League Baseball and some of the other things that they do. Um, but this show, as you know, Twins Today is driven by the Mauer Auto Group more than cars. And now we've got, switching out the phone lines, very special guest, Jeremy from the Mauer Auto Group. Jeremy, how's it going today? Today's going great. Thanks for asking. Do you guys still have your April specials going on, if I understand this correctly, through tomorrow what do people need to know that they can take advantage of right now uh the hot deals right now are of, of course the suvs that's the the best deals out there we've got the leases we've got three different suvs whether it be a chevrolet equinox a chevrolet trailblazer or even the buick um, you can get them all for under 300 dollars a month and then when you do the lease you also join the mauer lease elite program so you become part of the family we're going to cover your maintenance costs also so when you talk about a lease payment under 300 dollars a month that's it. You insure it, put some gas in it, and you got your payment, and that's all you got to have to worry about. That's great. I understand you guys are working with a, a local high school. Explain to me more of the details about how you guys are getting involved in the community recently. Well, and the, the, that's the most recent one. We uh, we had a high school reach out to us, and we decided to participate in it. You know, they needed a little extra funding and stuff. So what we did is we donated a two-year lease, you know, on one of those SUVs that I was just talking to you about. And it was a raffle event to try to raise some funds for the school. But, you know, that's what it's about. You know, when the community asks, we respond. You know, it's, it's about community outreach and it's about more than cars. And that's really what we're working on all year this year. You've heard about everything else we've done from the vets to the food, to the coats, to the bikes, to, you know, everything else. But our most recent one was the high school event. And it was kind of fun. You know, it's, it's kind of neat when people come into a fundraising event and all of a sudden they can find out they can bid on a car. You know, you don't, you don't see that too often. Yeah, well, and it brings a smile to my face. You're rattling off that list. I know that people are going to be excited about Saints baseball coming up this year over in Lower Town, St. Paul. 
and they open on the road, but their home opener is not far behind that. You guys have kind of a natural tie-in uh, with the geography over there, I imagine, over at CHS Field. Yeah, if you're going to go down to the Invergrove location, you really can't get there from the north without driving by the CHS Field, which mm -hmm. is super fun. I mean, I've seen the advertisements. We got the watch party coming up for the Saints. I mean, there's not many states out there that have a AAA affiliate located across the river from their major league, to, you know, sporting event. So it's this is fun stuff. Super cool. And you love it when people come in to see you. Give them a website first, just in case somebody's just browsing around. They want to see what's out there, Jeremy. What website can they go to? And then maybe what's the best way to reach you? The three different websites are the MauerChev.com, MauerMainChev.com, and MauerBuickGMC.com. You can go there, check out all of our inventory, but best yet, the phone numbers are all on the website. Just give us a call or even better yet, stop on in. We're from the North Metro up in Anoka, all the way to South St. Paul down at Ibergrove Heights and everywhere in between. So you just come see us. We're going to take care of you and you're going to have a good time doing it. And you're going to be part of something bigger than the car. Jeremy, thanks so much for your support and thank you for your time today. Have a great one. All right, you too. Thank you. Welcome back to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, More Than Cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, and we welcome into the show a special guest. We try to peel back the curtain on some of the things the twins are working on behind the scenes. We welcome now Brian Donaldson, the Executive Director of the Minnesota Alliance of the Boys and Girls Club. Brian, thank you for joining the show. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Nice to talk with you, Derek. Good to speak with you. The pleasure is all mine. And I want to first get the twins tie established because this is something, Brian, that I can remember hearing for years and years on broadcasts and the Twins' involvement, but Major League Baseball's involvement, mm -hmm, too. Mm -hmm. I understand there's pretty rich history of working with the Boys and Girls Club of America. Yeah, you know, Boys and Girls Club celebrating 25 years with Major League Baseball this year as a partner, a major partner of Major League Baseball. So we're very proud to continue that partnership and, you know, have had some, some major leaguers come through clubs that we're very proud of, CC Sabathia and you know, others like that. So we're, you know, we're, we're very proud of those kids who become ballplayers, but also, you know, just Major League Baseball's continued efforts around Boys and Girls Clubs. And Boys and Girls Clubs in Minnesota started in the, in the 1950s. Former Twins owner, Carl Polad, uh, he helped to found the first Boys and Girls Club in Minneapolis. The Polad family, the Twins, Major League Baseball, longtime terrific partners of, of Boys and Girls Clubs and the work that we do with you. Wow, I did not know that connection. And I guess I should say too, I understand what this is, but Brian, for people who are not familiar with what boys and girls clubs do, can you just kind of give the overview for people to understand maybe why this work is important? Yeah, absolutely. And, and boys and girls clubs have been around for the last century. And, you know, essentially we're a place, a safe place for kids to go um, when they're not at school and when their parents aren't home, right? It's a place for them to belong, to get a kind word, to get a meal. Um, we serve about 53,000 kids in the state of Minnesota. That's about 6% of all school-age kids in Minnesota uh, attend to Boys and Girls Clubs, at least you know prior to COVID. Now we're safe and healthy in, in the number of kids that we see, but we hope to get back up there. But most of those kids pay little to nothing um, to come to a Boys and Girls Clubs. And when they do, um, they are you know get to have fun. They get to play you know games and in the gym, but they're also getting programs around academic success. They get help with their homework. They get enrichment and STEAM and literacy and other things like that. Our staff, we have paid, trained, vetted staff who are there to be their mentors, um, to make sure that they're doing okay, to help them and their families if they need help. 
um, outside of the club with, you know, housing or food and, and connect them with the right people. And we really try to, you know, put kids on a good path to being a, you know, a, a successful future for them, whether that's making sure that they graduate high school on time, making sure that they make healthy lifestyle decisions. We're specifically geographically located where kids need us the most. So throughout 35 communities in the state of Minnesota, we're where kids need us, whether that's, you know, here in Minneapolis or St. Paul or in Rochester or, you know, on the Native American reservations at Red Lake or White Earth or Leech Lake. We're there to help kids who need it the most and, and make sure that, that they feel safe and loved and, and are prepared for their future. I'm fascinated by the work that you do, Brian, and thank you for doing it. I'm curious if somebody hears this and wants to get involved in, in one form or another, that can probably take many paths, but what's the best way to learn more information? Yeah, and, and I think, you know, number one for Boys and Girls Clubs is, you know, like I said, we don't charge kids much to anything to attend. Um, no kid is turned away if, if, if they can't afford that little fee that, that a club might have charged. So first and foremost, we're, we do all of our fundraising through, through donations. So we always encourage folks, if you want to help kids, help kind of close that opportunity gap for kids across our state to donate, really, and, and go to our website, bgcminnesota.org, and, and donate to a club near you. And then ultimately, you know, when, when the pandemic kind of wanes, we hope, and we can get back to more in-person stuff, we love volunteers and mentors at our clubs, people who come in and, sh- and care about kids and show kids what it's like to be a successful adult. So also on our website, you know, plenty of opportunities for volunteering. Of course, right now we're, we're trying to keep kids safe and trying to keep kids, you know, to their exposure to adults to a minimum, but it's at some point we'll get back to that. And we, we really need that help as well. Brian Donaldson is our guest here on Twins Today. He's the executive director of the Minnesota Alliance of Boys and Girls Clubs. Uh, Brian, this is a fascinating, but also scary, unnerving, and uh, ultimately, I hope, a hopeful moment in our communities right now. And so kind of a long way of asking the question, how are you guys dealing with some of the current things that are in the spotlight at center stage within our communities here in Minnesota? These issues are widespread and affect a lot of different people. Yeah, I think, you know, right now in, in Minnesota and across the country, it's, it's never been harder to be a kid. Right. I mean, you have this pandemic where you, you know, can't see your friends, can't do the things that you've normally done. Your education has been disrupted. And then on top of that, now we've we've really, you know, seen this spotlight on just the racial inequities that exist um, in our communities and and with the George Floyd murder and things of that nature. It's, you know, it's really put a strain on, on youth and for some kids, they have resources that, you know, they can help deal with that, but it's still tough for, for kids that come to the clubs, you know, number one, they may not have resources to deal with that. So we're dealing not only with just regular everyday kid stuff, but some, you know, some real trauma. And so we've really kind of doubled down as much as we can in this situation to make sure that, that the kids that, that we serve are cared for, that they have a, a place to talk about it, a place to express their opinions freely and really here during the pandemic and everything, we've, we've had to pivot a little bit to taking care of our community as well, not just the kids, but their families. Um, our Southside Club in Minneapolis is three blocks from, from George Floyd Square. When the protests happened and, and some of that damage that happened, what it really did for that community was take away a lot of places that they could get food, they could get groceries. So um, what the Twin Cities Clubs did at the Southside Club was turn that club essentially into a free food store. 
So instead of, you know, seeing kids and things like that, they put up shelves and they got donations of food and other necessities that families need. And, and they, at one point, we're seeing 200 families a day come through that uh, location wow. um, to get food. Again, something that Boys and Girls Clubs typically doesn't do, but we just saw the, the need and, and the, the effort that we need to do that. And, and throughout our state, from Rochester to St. Cloud to Duluth to, to our American Indian reservations, where we all have clubs in all those locations, you know, we've just really seen that that trauma, that just malaise of life, I guess, that, that youth are going through and that they need that uplift. They need to get back to seeing their friends. They need to be heard. They need to talk about what they're feeling and, and things of that nature. So we've really doubled down on that in a lot of our clubs across the state to make sure that, that kids have what they need. And, you know, ultimately that they know at Boys and Girls Clubs that they are valued and welcome and, and have the opportunities that they can use to have a successful future. Brian Donaldson, our guest with the Boys and Girls Clubs. I'm, you mentioned CC Sabathia earlier. So that's a high profile example, but can you give me a, an example or just maybe a story that you've got that um, brings a smile to your face? Oh, absolutely. And, and I mean, every club has one from every year. I, I think for me, the one that stands out was our Youth of the Year from two years ago, Anna. Um, and, and that's a, a gentleman who is a Ethiopian refugee. He's a, a Raman person. Um, and he came to the Twin Cities as a refugee. He lived in public housing in St. Paul. He got into a lot of trouble as a young kid, just not knowing the language and getting bullied and fighting back. And a police officer um, gave him a free pass to the Boys and Girls Clubs, um, which he didn't need because he could go for free anyway. But it, it was a point that he could go check it out. And once he did, he it opened his eyes to a lot of opportunity, a lot of staff who wanted him to succeed. Um, and ultimately, he was named the Minnesota Youth of the Year. He went on to complete in the Boys and Girls Club Midwest Youth of the Year, went to Washington, met senators, uh, you know, administration officials. He now um, attends Pomona College in California on a full scholarship. He's a Bill Gates scholar. He um, is just a tremendous individual. And with all of that, he could just be waiting to rake in the money, right? Like, like a lot of us um, who, who hope to do those things when we're smart. Um, but he has started a company, a water bottle company that reduces the amount of plastic that people use. And a portion of the proceeds go back to African communities who need help with clean water. And so he's done all of this by the time he's 20 years old. And I think if not for Boys and Girls Clubs, that may not have happened. Um, we've had a lot of that. And so I think for, for us, that those are the things that keep us going is kids who are able to succeed, who really of their own accord are able to succeed, but it just takes a little mentorship and a little nudging from our staff to, to be able to help them uh, have that opportunity. That is just fantastic. Brian, can you give us a website again where people can yeah. learn more about any of these stories, but also how to get involved? Yeah, it's bgcminnesota.org, and you can check out the news and what, what we're up to across the state. Um, find clubs close to you. If, if you have kids who want to attend a Boys and Girls Club, there's a club finder where you can find a club close to you. And, and if you want to get involved, you can find ways to do that as well. Brian, can't thank you enough for your time. I appreciate you coming on Twins today. Yeah, thanks, Derek. That's the voice of Brian Donaldson, the executive director of the Minnesota Alliance of Boys and Girls Clubs. More baseball coming up after this. You're listening to Twins Today on News Talk 830 WCCO. Welcome back, Twins Today. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, sitting here in the booth at Target Field getting ready for Twins and Royals. You can catch the Adina Realty pregame lineup card after this show 
ends, and then, of course, first pitch not too long after that. Uh, but right now, we are joined by a super special guest, kind enough to give us some of his time on this lovely Sunday, and that is Do Hyung Park, who covers the Twins for MLB.com. Do, great to see you. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Derek. The, call me super special. That's so nice. <laughs> I got to say, I woke up this morning, and I saw your guest list. It's like Ben Rortfett and like Britt Garoli and Dan Gladden. I'm like... I'm like the weakest person they're going to have on here, like physical strength wise, by like a 10 times faster. <laughs> okay. All right. That's fair. Yeah. The, the muscular, but in terms of like name recognition and name brand, you got to be one or two on that list. I don't know about that. I mean, Bricker is doing some fantastic work over there. She's a former colleague of mine in Baltimore. She's yeah. a former colleague of yours, That's right? right? Yeah. Yep. Very cool. And okay, well, now I'll embarrass you here, Doe, to start. So, so Doe, I mentioned, covers the Twins for MLB.com. He's also a Stanford grad. And yes, Josh Donaldson reads his work. So we have that out of the way. And um, <laughs> I'm not even going to give you a chance to respond to that, Doe. I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> That's <laughs> what, news to me. What can you? Um, okay, well, there's a... There's some news I'll share with you maybe at a break or something here. Um, we have a caller on the line, though, and you can call the show if you'd like to talk to us on Twins Today. 651-989-9226 is the number you can dial to uh, get in and just ask your question. Just like caller, it looks like Bruce we have on the line. Bruce, thanks for calling the show. What's on your mind today? I wanted to talk a little bit about April and the struggles, but I really wanted to focus on moving forward. Why did it take so long to figure out that column A was not going to work out in the high leverage situations? And then the real question I have is, how do you avoid blowing late inning games and how do you avoid long losing streaks? Okay, love it. Bruce, thanks for the call. I appreciate you calling Twins today. And, Doe, I guess a two-part question here, so we'll handle it together. Um, maybe losing streaks second, because I think we saw the Twins play a little bit better baseball over the weekend until uh, stubbing their toe yesterday. Um, Colome, he said something, and I want to pick apart his words because I think it's important, he said, uh, to know that it wasn't going to work out in close and late situations. And I don't necessarily view that that ship has sailed. I view no. that it, it, as it was leaving the harbor, definitely uh, dropped some freight and, uh, I don't know, maybe got stuck in the middle of the Suez Canal. <laughs> that it's not necessarily like you got to cut the guy because he's, he's no good. I think it's more a matter of how do the twins get him back to being Alex Colomay. Right, and I think, like you said, the ship hasn't sailed, but I think the anchor is starting to get reeled in a little bit. To nice. continue that, that metaphor, that's I like good. That metaphor pretty there. good. But I think, like you said, they're they're still working on him. They're still trying to figure it. Out. It's not like they're going to cut ties with Alex Colomay because he's had a bad first nine games with the new team. Sure, and. Obviously, first impressions are important, especially when it's a first impression made with a team playing so many close games where he plays such a prominent factor yeah. for a team that's hoping to contend and underperforming as a whole. I right. think there's been the bullpen struggles. There's been the offense struggles. It's it's natural for people to want a scapegoat, and he is there. But like you said, the Twins can't necessarily count him out right now because there is the guy who's given up. I think it's like five of his first eight appearances. He either gave up a lead or pitched the Twins into a deficit from what had been a tie game. Mm. But there's also the guy who in the first eight years of his major league career posted a 2.96 ERA, one of the better closers of his time. Yeah. And you got and he's, he's it's not like he's getting up there in age. I think he's 32 right now. He's got that track record to lean on. Plus, and this is something that Wes Johnson and Rocco Baldelli have mentioned as well, 
it's not like you're going to need seismic tweaks with a guy like this because he knows himself well. And also, he's just really a one-pitch pitcher yeah, for the most right, part right. with that cutter. And so I asked Wes, saying, you know, when, when you got a guy that's a one-pitch pitcher like this, is it easier or tougher to get him on track? And Wes is like, it's absolutely easier to do that because once you identify what the tweaks you need with that cutter is, what the tweaks with that usage is, and yeah. it's a pitch he has such good feel for, that's something where you you, sit, you do one or two things with his release, maybe a couple things with the mechanics of the philosophy, and it's easier to get him back to where they think he is. And that's something Wes said. Like, in the bullpens, the quality of his stuff is still good. I think it's still a matter of just kind of the command and the usage and how he mixes it with his uh, straight four-seamer a bit. Yeah. But they're still high on they're not They're not giving up on him this yet. This is going to either look good for us, though, that we're oh, both gotcha. sort of preaching patience, or we'll be the last two standing and shouting on the island as, like, the volleyball <laughs> drifts away. That uh, I, I do think that there's probably – a good reliever left in there although of course we saw him in the uh what i'm affectionately dubbing the position player pitching inning yeah he came in yesterday in a blowout for the twins where they typically would have turned to somebody like william zastadio and instead they go to this former elite closer you know one of the biggest names in the game at the back end of bullpen so they're gonna they're gonna put in some work to try to get him right rather than just just cut bait but uh doe the second part of that question caller bruce and was kind enough to uh join the show with if you want to get your thoughts in by the way listeners 651-989-9226 we'll definitely take those calls and your thoughts but he also asked about losing streaks and that's been an achilles heel for the twins they don't have a lot of long winning streaks as we became accustomed to seeing in 2019 same story for 19 where if they lost a game you could just bet on them winning tomorrow how do they get back to that with their current collection of players in 2021? First of all, I want to say volleyball sailing away. I love that we've reached the castaway reference Thank phase you. of this <laughs> Thank you. of this uh, of this show. That's testing my movie knowledge to the end. <laughs> to my mind to the max too. <laughs> Uh, you, I mean, you say that it's been the Achilles heel, and that's the funny thing. It's been such a weird Achilles heel for yeah. a group that under Rocco Baldelli has been so resilient. I think, I want to say they didn't have like a three-game losing streak in 2019 until August or September. Or yeah, I, like I don't that. remember the exact date, but I remember right. hearing it at the time and thinking, what? It's so right. late in the baseball season for that to be happening for the first time. Here's what I'll say to that. Um they, they're obviously pros, and they're never going to try to make excuses for anything like this. But I will say that the circumstances that this group of twins has faced this early in the season is just really not something that any player can prepare for. If you're Derek Falvey or Thad Levine or Rocco, it's really not something that you – they're not here to deal with pandemic baseball and baseball in the middle of – turmoil in the city in which they play and all of that kind of coming together in a weird span where they first of all they they had their covid pandemic outbreak yeah. in california right. where they're building up to play a game then they have to halt the game then they're trapped in a hotel and pitchers can't throw uh, hitters can't hit like all they could do while they were shut down for three days was they're in a hotel in Anaheim. There's a park across the street from Anaheim. So Rocco and like his coaches are like, they're all donning their masks, staying six feet apart. They're heading down the elevators in the hotel, walking across the street to the ballpark. And it's just like this park in the middle of Anaheim. <laughs> just where just city. like major leaguers are just like playing <laughs> catch with each other. That's what they're able to do. I and love it. The other element to that too, is that, the Twins, I think they, until entering this homestand or entering uh, this last series against Pittsburgh here, they had played one night home game. Yeah. 
one yeah. night home game. We're in May now, and they and entering this homestand, they put one night home game, and this is something they talk about too. Rocco Baldelli with his uh, focus on rest and recovery, and this is something that a lot of teams around the league have turned to these days as well. They don't it's it's they don't take BP before on the field before day games. Their their pregame preparation is really compressed, sure. and uh, and that's something that a lot of them have cited. And that is that the COVID nineteen pandemic in the clubhouse and all of these day games. It's just not what these players have been wired to do over the course of not just their professional careers, but also over the course of their college or you sure. know every everything like yeah. that. You know this is they're they're all creatures of routine, and this has been about as far from their routine as you could possibly say. Now, if we get into like say the second or third week of May and things are still the offense still isn't hitting when they're healthy and the bullpen still isn't performing when they've been able to settle into their routine that's when my alarm bells start ringing sure but like you said at the start of this month I mean in that last game against Cleveland in the first game against Kansas City they've shown signs of the team that they were hoping to be so now my question is if you, I don't, you can't throw April out the window because they they all count in the standings. Yeah, and yeah they, you they, dug they a go, hole. They go into the records. Yeah. yeah, but that's something they got to deal with, and other teams are dealing with COVID too. But now my question is, how do they respond now that they are in that routine? Because now there's nowhere to hide. Sure. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's a great answer, though. Uh, patience is my. Uh, I, I preach it anytime I get a chance to, but there is a point when you have to say, all right. Let's assess this thing and let's be realistic about it too, rather than just uh, Pollyanna. So uh, we got to take a break, though. And when we come back, we'll take your calls. If you want to get in on the show, Twins Today is the program 651 989 9226. That's where you can call us. I've got Do Hyung Park, who covers the Twins for MLB.com, and I'm Derek Wetmore. Do, I think on the other end of this, unless we're uh, jammed up on the phone lines, I want to ask you about some of the free agent relievers that the Twins let get away because they had a, a good group last year, and, of course, the results on the field uh, haven't been up to par in the first month of the season. Don't go anywhere. More Twins talk coming up after this on Twins Today. You are listening to News Talk 830-WCCO. Welcome back to Twins Today, final segment of the show. We've had a fun one with some great guests. Uh, I'm your host, Derek Wetmore. We're getting ready for the Edina Realty pregame lineup card, and that's coming up just after noon before first pitch here of the third game of the set between the Twins and the Royals. Uh, Do Hyung Park, who covers the Twins for MLB.com, is my guest. Uh, kind enough to join us for a second segment here. And Do, we were talking before the break about the bullpen and how it's performed this year. But I think we we sort of just gloss over something when we talk about that, and that's the guys who left this past winter. Obviously, 2020 and COVID ball was weird for a uh, hundred different reasons. But let's rattle off some names. Uh, Sergio Romo, Tyler Clippard, Trevor May, and then if you want to go starting rotation, it's Jake Odorizzi, and uh, keep, keep going down that list. But... That's a that's a good group of arms, though, that they kind of just let walk out the door to free agency. Does does that play into the group that they have now here? And and I don't want to um, put words in your mouth or anything, but some callers or fans might be thinking, was that a mistake to let some of those guys go and walk this winter? And I'm interested to see how they respond to this next offseason because I think part of this, too, well, the first part of it is that the the – for a reliever like Trevor May, who I think is the is the name that stands out from the rest of that group, as kind of younger, uh, sure. bigger arm there. 
uh, I mean, most teams in the league, and the Twins certainly at the forefront of this, are just shying away from bigger multi-year commitments. I think it's only a two-year commitment, but the Twins are still shy, are still on the forefront of kind of the philo philosophical movement that shies away from commitments to relievers, and I think that's based on the volatility of relievers from year to year, obviously, and that's based on, you know, the relatively smaller workload that they carry as well in terms of their, like, return on investment or so so yeah. to speak, or that sort of thing. But I, I'm curious about that, like I said, because I think a part of this, too, stemmed from the success that Wes Johnson and his pitching crew had in kind of sorting through a bunch of different arms, identifying what guys do well, and then maximizing that to kind of you know, get get diamonds uh, get diamonds in the rough, yeah, so to speak. Not necessarily like making permanent fixes to this pitcher, but saying how can we maximize you in the time that we have. We saw that work great, um, it, it, like last year. You know, when we saw when we saw, for example, Matt Whistler emerge, and mm -hmm. under their under Wes's tutelage, we've had you know Tyler Duffy emerge as a weapon. You know, Trevor May is th was throwing harder than he ever was before. Yeah, before he uh, left the Twins, and so. Now this is now this is something I suspect is that they've got this idea of well we get go out and get guys with a really good slider who he maybe doesn't have the success and we're going to be able to find extra value there and I think they have found a lot of extra value in that bullpen to be sure over the years but this is what happens I think when you lean maybe maybe you lean a little too hard into that to a certain extent and you say okay, okay well we got Cody Stashak we've got Jorge Alcala coming up with his big stuff and we're going to count on those guys and we're going to count on Caleb Thielbar to continue to take this next step and we're going to count on finding a couple more diamonds in the rough between sure. like the Brandon Waddells and Derek Laws of the world and yeah. I think to a certain extent you're also hamstrung by you know Josh Donaldson's contract is still on the books for example and your arbitration guys are getting more expensive but now I wonder because they were counting on like Alcala and Stashak and Thielbar to really, I think, you know, take that, take those step forward, take those steps forward, and really uh, solidify some of those uh, situations in the bullpen. And Stashak and Thielbar, especially, have struck out a ton of guys early this season, but yeah. still, you know, kind of getting hit hard. And this is kind of magnified now when you've got the struggles of Colomay and Tyler Duffy hasn't really looked like himself early in the season either. And yeah, that's what I found interesting is that they value depth it's so much point. elsewhere on their roster. Well, right? and when we saw the Liam Hendricks contract given out this winter, big money, multi-year deal to an elite late-inning reliever, it wasn't any mystery that that wasn't going to be the Twins that signed right. that deal, to your point, because it seems like it's kind of against their thought process of building a bullpen. I think that's part of why why fans might be frustrated right now because you can bet on yourself and you can bet on your guys, but then when it doesn't work out uh, – you know, it's hard. There's there's not an escape hatch there. Like, they kind right. of have to figure this out internally now, it seems. Exactly, and I like that you said that because there's no clear solution right now to Alex Colomay not being himself. It's because they don't have the bodies that they have built up elsewhere on their roster, whether it's in the starting rotation where you have Lewis Thorpe and Devin Smeltzer and Randy yeah. Dobnak ready to step in, or on the position player side when you could call up a JT Riddle or a Zue Lin and plug them in, or you've got Kirilov up and Trevor Larnick soon behind him and that sort of thing. You don't have that in the bullpen. Yeah. Edward Colina's hurt right now, so what 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 happens here when you let guys like that walk now, and I, again, I wonder how this impacts their philosophy moving forward, is you see kind of They've seen the upside of that over the years, but now you see the downside of it where they're not getting that value. And beyond that, the lack of depth lowers their baseline production there. 
they have no choice but to let Alexander Colomay just figure his stuff out. Yeah. And just hope that Jorge Alcala can be that late innings guy. And we saw that a couple days ago where they finally put him late in a tight game. We hadn't really seen that as much, but that's all they can do. And so I think going back to the start of this segment, too, that's kind of why they can't cut ties with Alexander Colomay because sure. there's nobody else. Yeah, well, that's a fascinating point, and that's going to be a big key to the Twins getting back on track is getting that relief unit. So start winning some of those close games. Win your doubleheaders. Win your extra inning contests. Doe, uh, I'm going to let you go with this one question, one-word answer. Who is the key to the Twins riding the ship the rest of the way? Ooh, that's a big one. Kenta Maeda. Kenta Maeda. Okay, all right. I can see that. Yeah, uh, get a chance here before too much longer, um, and we'll see if he can replicate the fine form that he had last year. Um, Doe, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show, talking a little Twins baseball with us today. Really appreciate your time. Really appreciate you having me. Just good to see your face again, Derek. <laughs> Likewise, friend. And uh, you can follow Doe on Twitter, of course, and find him at twinsbaseball.com, where all of his writings are published and uh the rumor has it uh there are some major leaguers who read his work uh and did i mention he went to stanford i can't remember if i got that in there or not Uh, so there's that tons of great guests on this show if you missed it catch the podcast brit giroli uh dan gladden i mean on and on down the list twins rookie catcher ben rortvet really excited to talk to you next week a little bit more twins baseball on twins today you're listening to news talk 830 wcco you have been listening to twins today Driven by the Mauer Auto Group. More than cars. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.